Okay, I'm on vacation. I've been chasing my kids around, throwing water balloons at people. I've been driving all over the place. I am not in a position to talk sports for half an hour. Anthony, how are you doing? I was doing pretty good until you started telling me about how you're not ready to do what we're about to do. Welcome to the show, David. No, actually, I'm, I'm not feeling that great either. Let's just call it a day. Really? Okay. Oh, this has been the show, guys. Thanks for listening. I think this is the best one yet. I think so, too. I think if all the shows were like this, we'd probably get more listeners. Quality over quantity. Man, maybe we should shoot for that. Maybe that's what the girls always said when they were, you know, when I asked them on a second date. I just wanted to remember that one special, special perfect date with you and not ruin it with any subsequent communication or acknowledgement of your existence. Were you were there? Were you there? Did you hear her say that? <laughs> it's a small town, David. Alright everyone, welcome to this week's really awesome um, show, uh, Subjectively Correct Sports. David Henderson here with you as always with my buddy, my bro, Anthony Montague. He's been sick, I've been on vacation, this is going to be a disaster, buckle up. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about first, and Anthony brought this to my attention, it's something that isn't getting a lot of attention. Um so Anthony, tell, tell us about it. I, I guess there's a WNBA player who has been making some waves on social media lately. Yeah. So uh, Aja Wilson. So she was the um, played college ball at South Carolina. Was on the national championship team a couple of years ago. She tweeted out um, last week in response to LeBron James uh, signing his hundred and fifty-four million dollar deal with the Lakers. Uh, here's the tweet: hundred and fifty-four million must be nice. We over here looking for a million, but let me get back in my lane. Um, so throwing, uh, as the as the youth say, some shade at the king. Um, although she would follow up and say she's happy he got his money. But um, I think some of the WNBA players are feeling a little disrespected at the, the pay disparity between the NBA stars and the WNBA stars. Right. And what's that? What's that pay difference look like? Because we know we see these monster salaries all the time that the pros are getting, especially this time of year. We're always focused on those monster salaries. But even players like JaVel McGee are bringing in over a million dollars a year. You know, players that we really remember for Shaqed and a Fool are getting paid more than the highest paid players in the WNBA. Does that sound about right? That's right. Yeah. So not counting endorsements, just strictly salary. Um, the minimum salary in the NBA is, is around, a, is around $600,000 a year. And in the WNBA, the starting salary is, uh, $50,000 a year. Um, so, uh, about what a, a teacher may make, right? For, for a WNBA star starting out. Um, and even the, even the stars in the WNBA aren't, uh, I don't believe any are really making more than, than the low hundreds of thousands. And so, so there's, you know, a very, <laughs> a very big disparity, but I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. One, if you look at the 2017 revenue by each league, okay, so the NBA generated 7.4 billion, that's B -b billion with a B in 2017. Did you put your pinky up to your lip when you said that? 
That's right. Huge billion. Uh, compared to WNBA's 25 million with an M. So $7.4 billion compared to $25 million. There's a much smaller pot that can get shared with the WNBA players. So that, that seems like a legitimate explanation as to why they'd be paid less, right? It makes sense. But you also, uh, before the show, you were mentioning the difference in the uh, um, the revenue shares between the owners right. and the teams and the players. So in the WNBA, they get 30% of revenue towards their salary. In the NBA, they get 50%. So like you mentioned before we started, uh, when we were talking, you said not only are the WNBA players getting a smaller pie, but they're getting a smaller piece of that smaller pie. So that's creating this huge uh, uh, wage gap, basically. That's right. And that's where I have more of an issue with this with this topic. I don't... Uh, I don't think anyone can look at this objectively and say that a WNBA star should be making the same amount of money as LeBron James. It's just two different leagues. They're bringing in um, different amounts of money, but the percentage of the money uh, maybe could be more in line. And and I don't think that's incumbent on the NBA because the NBA, as far as I know, doesn't own the, the WNBA. I think they have a lot of like kind of cross promotion things and to support each other. Um, but the the NBA Players Association, you know, collectively bargains with the the owners, the NBA owners, and the the WNBA has their own players association that bargains on their behalf. And so, if anyone's to blame here, um, I think that the WNBA players need to look at their own players association. Um, and just like any other sports league, it's probably going to take some significant co- collective bargaining action. Maybe that's sitting out games. Um, I don't know what it's going to take, but but it's it's something they need to look inward at their own leadership to to try and fix. Yeah. Um, and you know what? A lot of a lot of professional women basketball players they go overseas to get their money. So you know, I like yeah. Deanna Taurasi and um, is it Elena Deladonna? I, I don't remember exactly who, but I know Dana, Deanna Taurasi for sure plays overseas in Europe somewhere gets paid a lot more than she gets paid for her WNBA season. Then she'll come back here during the summer and play WNBA, which, you know, if you're if you're one of the best in the world at what you do, you shouldn't have to work two jobs, basically, if that makes sense. Like, we don't ask the CEO yeah. of a major co- corporation to CEO another corporation at the same time just because he's the best. No, take care of your stuff in one spot. He'll get compensated well. And I don't know if that's a great comparison, but I just feel bad for these WNBA players who – are born here, grow up here, master their game here, and then they have to go overseas to get paid what they're worth. But like you said, that sounds like a collective bargaining issue. It doesn't sound like as much of a um, and a revenue issue, of course. But it's not because they're not as good as the the men players. They're they're just as talented um, as far as their skill levels. You know what I mean? And their yeah, leagues. they work just as hard. Exactly. They put in the time. Yeah. No, no. I don't think anyone's questioning their their determination, their hard work, their skill. I guess one of the issues, though, is that at some point it becomes cost prohibitive to have a team if you're an, if you're a WNBA owner, right? And so maybe thirty percent is all you can justify giving away, right? So if you know if I'm an NBA, if I'm a WNBA owner and I'm one of the uh, I think there's eight teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, but and I'm sharing in this twenty five million dollar pot. Uh, so I'm getting what three point. Two five million, so something like that, right? I'm getting a little over three million in revenue that I have to use to pay 
for the team, their travel, for the staff, right? Um, there's a lot of expenses that go into owning a professional sports team. And so I can't imagine many, if any, of these owners are really, you know, getting rich off of these teams like you would see in other other sports leagues. Uh, and the valuations on these on these WNBA teams, when WNBA teams are, are sold, it's typically not re- reported because the valuation is so low. And so uh, you can't really ask owners to increase the player share if it's going to come out of their own pocket. Not not all owners treat their their organizations as toys. You know, some some are lucky enough to be billionaires and and they can they can throw their money around and it doesn't matter. They're happy to come out of their own pocket. But um, some who who use this as a legitimate business venture, um, you know, they they they'd be silly to to bankrupt themselves just to uh, to increase their employee salary. No, that makes perfect sense. And there's so much going on behind the scenes that we the just the common man hanging out here watching sports. We'll never see all, all those machinations in the accounting. We're never going to see that. So it's hard to, it's hard to pick a side either way. But when you present it that way where the WNBA players get 30% and the NBA players get 50%, I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. The WNBA players should be getting more of that revenue share. So yeah. yeah. And, and another thing to keep in mind is th- this league is, is still in its infancy. Yeah. I mean, think of baseball. <laughs> Baseball's been around over a hundred years. Basketball's been around, uh, what? 70 years, 80 years, whatever it is. And so these leagues have have, t- have had time to develop, to mature, to gain an audience. Uh, I think as, as more and more young women come up and, and play the game of basketball and become involved and, and it's, you know, um, promoted more and more. I, I just, Women's athletics are promoted more and more. I think you'll see a greater adoption of, of the sport. And, you know, hopefully that, that does lead to to higher salaries and more revenue and and everyone gets richer and, and happier and I, don't, I think everyone would be happy to see see the league thriving right and of course more teams means you know more attendance more jersey sales more tv deals so when they get some more teams that revenue will go up just by you know just because of volume you know what i mean so i think like you said give the league you know 10 15 years and, and then i think we can start comparing it to the nba which has been around forever you know, baseball had to change a lot of things with free agency in order to get it to look like the league it is today, you know, and it's like you said, it's been around for over 100 years. So let's give the WNBA some time to mature as a league to grow, and then we can start comparing it to these leagues that have been around for generations. Just segueing seamlessly, like an expert radio host would, let's talk about the NBA offseason, because something new that's been developing that we, I think we'd all given our hope, yeah, we've get, we gave up on the idea of Melo going anywhere because he, he opted into his contract. So he gets paid. But then the Thunder, I, I forgot exactly what they did. They, they basically bought out his contract, right? Yeah, I, I think they're actually still looking at what to do, uh, depending on if uh, a trade materializes or what. But I think the uh, prevailing thought is they either will or have um, waived him or stretch, what they call stretching the contract. Okay, and could you explain what that means? Because I'm not quite clear what stretching a contract means. Yeah, so when you stretch the contract, you take the number of years left on the contract, you double it, and then you add one, and you stretch out the remaining salary over that period of time. So Carmelo Anthony's contract, he's got one year, and uh, I can't remember the exact figure, say $27 million. Uh, so he's got one year, $27 million left on his deal. So you double that amount of time, you spread out it over two years, then you add an additional year, so three years. So it'd be Instead of $27 million in this year, it'd be $9 million for each of the next three years. 
And what that does, why why a team would want to do that, one, it frees up cap space in the present year, and also it lessens the luxury tax burden that they have to pay. So right now, as projected with, with Carmelo's salary, the Thunder would be paying something like $300 million total in salary and luxury tax, which would be the most an NBA team has ever paid in salary and taxes. And by uh, by waiving him and stretching his contract, I think they decrease that burden by something like ninety million dollars. Wow! So, so could teams do this at any time, or are there like contract stipulations in specific contracts that allow teams to do this? Because it seems like teams would do this a lot more, and it would be a much more common practice if we're looking at savings like you know ninety million dollars a year. Wouldn't owners be pushing to do this all the time? Yeah, and, and it does happen from time to time. I'm not I'm not an NBA cap expert, and so I'm not sure um, how many times, if there is a cap to the number of times you can waive uh, a player, or how many waived players you can have on on a roster. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about the limits of that provision, but I do know you wouldn't want to get in a habit of doing it just because that is dead money sitting on your books. So I mean, even that nine million is still going to count against your cap, and when when your cap's only a hundred and nine million, that's still you know ten percent or so uh, of your cap being eaten up in in a player who who can't play for you, right? Right. And would so they? So even if even if Carmelo Anthony goes to another team, will they still be paying him nine million dollars a year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, so the new team so, will still so, have to pay him whatever he's going to get from the new team, and then he's also getting the nine million a year from the Thunder. That's right. So presumably he'll he'll sign with another team for the for the minimum. Okay. For the veterans minimum, and then yeah, so he'll. He'll be uh, he'll still make the money that he would have made with the Thunder. Yeah. Right. So they're not off the they're not off the hook. They're just it's just kind of shifting salary around to make it a little bit more palatable for them. Um, right. Yeah. So so and, and, it, and it frees up frees up him to you know move to someone else that actually wants to play him. Right. And so it sounds like first of all it sounds like Paul George knew that that might be going on, and so he was willing to sign with the Thunder because maybe they're going to get some extra help in a Carmelo Anthony trade or. Um, release him and get other players or something like that. So maybe that's going on. That might, it, the Paul George signing might make a little more sense if that's going on. Um, but I also can see why that's uh, no, that that signing will never make any sense. Good point. No, no, you're right. Speaking from an, unbi- from an unbiased Lakers fan perspective, uh, there's nothing you can tell me that would ever make sense of that. Hey, it's called subjectively correct for a reason. There's a little bit of subjectivity going on right there, but no. I, so do you know, have you heard of Bobby Bonilla day? Yes, Bobby Bonilla day. Yeah, didn't his contract get stretched out over like 25 years? It was a long the... time. Yeah, and he gets a million dollars every year. Uh, I think it's July 1st. So July 1st, every single year, he gets a million dollars. And that goes on for like another couple. Of, I don't know exactly how long it goes on, but he hasn't played in the league for a while. And he gets paid a million dollars every year still. And the Mets did this, and it was revolutionary. It was like going to change baseball. Because it's a way to keep your salaries low throughout the years. And then they figure, well, the value of our franchise is going to go up. And maybe the maybe some accounting guys were like, yeah, and inflation's going to go up too. So a million dollars in five years isn't going to be the same as a million dollars now, right? So let's stretch out this contract over a long, long period of time. He's happy because he gets paid. Um, and we're happy because we have uh, smaller numbers on the books. But yeah, every year he gets paid a million dollars. I think that's fascinating. And uh, obviously it didn't work out super well. Because nobody else is doing that, right? No other teams are doing that same thing. So I think the Mets thought they had a great idea, but not so much. That that's the clear cut side that you had a bad idea, right? 
zero imitation. Exactly. <laughs> when, when no one follows your idea, it was probably bad to begin with. Right, right. Like, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are hitting a bunch of home runs. Barry Bonds is like, hey, I should do that too. And so he goes to the same pharmacy and is like, hey, I want to do what they're doing. Boom. Barry Bonds, 73 home runs. <laughs> I need a Bobby Bonilla day. So the World Cup, Anthony, still going on, and it's been interesting. So England made it to the semifinals, which is the round of four, on penalty kicks. Croatia is playing the host nation, Russia, and that game went back and forth. I actually watched that entire game, and Croatia went up 2-1. Russia gets a goal in uh, like the 80th minute on a really nice header by a guy who was born in Brazil, and his last name is Fernandez. Anyway, that was confusing. But anyway, a guy named Fernandez, who plays for Russia, gets a header to tie the game, and that stadium goes crazy. And then they play the extra times, still goes to a draw, and then they uh, go to PKs, and Croatia becomes the first team in World Cup history to win back-to-back shootouts, or, or, or win two shootouts, excuse, excuse me, win two shootouts in a row in the World Cup. And so there's a lot of really cool historical things going on, and it was really exciting soccer. And it made me think about how it makes sense that soccer is the international game, that every country plays soccer, because there are all those super exciting moments. And I imagine if I cared about, say, a club team here in, in the United States, the way I cared about watching my favorite international teams, like like the U.S. and Argentina, if I loved a local team like that, like if I loved Real Salt Lake, or is it the Dallas Fire down where we are? Mm, I think it used to be the Dallas Burn, and they've got a new name, but I don't... I think it's just FC Dallas. Something like that. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, FC Dallas. Yeah. So if I loved one of those teams as much as I loved watching Argentina or U.S. national soccer, I mean, that level of entertainment on a regular basis would be amazing. And soccer has... There's so you have your league and you have like a national cup that's going on at the same time that's different but you're playing against the same teams and then there are larger um, regional tournaments going on like the Concacaf or Euro League and stuff like that and I think Asia has its own stuff too but we don't pay attention to that because we're Westerners and we're xenophobic whatever but we I, I'm just, I I don't know I just little little social commentary in the middle of that is that okay it's fine proceed. <laughs> On the social commentary or the or the World Cup stuff? I don't really care. I stopped paying attention. Oh, I have that effect. I'm an English teacher. Anyway. Wah, wah, but, wah. <laughs> yeah, well, is that what you hear? When I talk, that's what you hear? <laughs> it's amazing you know, I never I know how a... to respond to anything you say. I'm guessing, really? guessing half the time. Sounds about right. So, uh, Man, so, so penalty kicks, huh? Yeah, wow. I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> so the penalty kicks, the, but the penalty kicks thing, I mean, it's exciting, but you feel bad for the for the teams that have to go to penalty kicks because it's like such a random thing. Like one of the best players in the world can kick it over the bar. One of the worst goalies in the tournament could guess right and get hit in the face with the ball. Could fall into the right? ball. <laughs> yes, could fall into the ball a couple times and be held a hero for the rest of his life. Because remember that one time in that one on that one PK shootout, that goalie stopped two. You know, it just seems so random, and it's a really cruddy way 
for a team who's played its heart out for 90 minutes and then be told, oh, by the way, you're going to play half an hour more and then go to those penalty kicks and have their heart ripped out by something that seems like luck. Like, oh, we would freak out in American sports if they did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think it's awesome to, that you can boil the, the game down into just like one skill and that decides the winner, I think is fantastic. And I think it should be applied to every other major sports, uh, at least the, the U.S. major sports, the ones I actually care about. And so let's go through a few of them. Like what would be, what, what would be the ideal tie break uh, mechanism in, in these various sports? Well, let's say basketball. Um, game of horse. <laughs> game of, <laughs> so you send your best guy out there to play horse against their best guys, like Steph Curry shooting from like three quarters court. Yeah, and like, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, a game of horse. Uh, or you could. I think I think a dunk contest would be better. Dunk contest. Yeah, pretty subjective, but okay, maybe, maybe, a, maybe a three point shootout. Maybe a three point shootout. Yeah, lots of skills challenges. You could do uh you could do a ladder drill. Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> We call them suicides. Suicides, whatever you call. Yeah. Foot, football. Uh, I think the obvious thing is you send out the kickers, but no one likes to see kickers. So no, I think we hate it do, when kickers decide the game. Yeah. So, so you know, in football, you have the drill where it's like the 1v1, and it's just like you run into the other person, and whoever can push the other person back <laughs> more wins, right? I think you just do that like over and over again. But then right. you would have like then you would have like two offensive linemen pushing each other around to decide the game. No one wants that. I think this is what we should do. This is what we should do. Everyone loves the quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. So you take the quarterbacks out there and you challenge them to like a throwing competition. That's kind of like a game of horse, but they can do all sorts of crazy stuff like stand at the 50-yard line and hit the crossbar of the field goal post. Or um, they send like uh, their offensive coordinator on a route and they have to complete a route <laughs> to their offensive coordinator. And then the other player has to do the same thing. So, like, if Mike Holmgren were my offensive coordinator, I wouldn't do that. But if the other guy's offensive coordinator were Mike Holmgren, boom, I got you stuck because he has to waddle out there and try to catch a pass. <laughs> nice. And, you know, yeah. I, th- this seems silly, but, like, how often in, like, our normal lives do we uh, have these big decisions to make, right? Maybe it's, like, take this job or that job or do I move to this city or that city? And, like... Like the major things that go into the decision don't really like determine the outcome. It's like a little thing here or there, right? It's like, oh, well, they have this chain of restaurants that I really like and all things being equal. I'll go with that one because it has my favorite chain of restaurant, right? Or just like these things that aren't really representative of what's going to happen once you're there. What, what's, what, how, you know, the, uh, that's not a major factor in, in this decision. But because you have nothing else you can do, you've kind of weighed all the, the pros and cons. You just kind of, hang your hat on, on something else because because it makes sense in the moment. And I think that's kind of how they came up with penalty kicks. They're like, we just can't. This is the third day of soccer. We got to end this game. <laughs> just kick, just whoever misses the goal next, right? Like you guys line up and just start kicking it into the goal. And whoever misses first, you lose. I think that's nope. kind of what happened. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I We probably figure out that history, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Oh, absolutely. But I have a really good idea. How fun would it be if at the end of like a 12 inning baseball game, still tied, home run derby. How about that? Wall ball. <laughs> Wall ball, yes. <laughs> no, I, li- I like that. Home run derby. That's not a bad idea. No, let's stick with wall ball. That's my new thing. If anyone ever asked me, like, how would you fix baseball? I'm just going to tell them. Wall ball.
Right, I don't know if anyone knows this, but all-star voting in baseball has finished. And the fans voted players to be all-stars. Whatever. Did you even know that was going on? Uh, only because it's showing up in my Twitter. Uh, if, it, if it weren't for that, I would have no idea and I, would, and I wouldn't care. In fact, even though it is showing up in my Twitter and I'm a diehard baseball fan and several of the, of the Dodgers uh, are in contention to make the all-star team, I just don't care. Isn't that crazy? Like I grew up loving baseball. Right? Baseball was the first sport I fell in love with. Baseball is a sport I played all through school, and baseball is actually a sport that I had a chance to play um, beyond high school. I didn't take that chance, but I love baseball, and I understand the game. But I don't care about the MLB All-Star game. Is that because we don't care about baseball anymore in general? Or are All-Star games just not exciting anymore? Like, what is going on? Because you and I expressed the exact same feelings about it. Like, we just didn't really yeah, I care. I, I think it's just because it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. I, some, some of these sports have tried to say, oh, the winner of the, the All-Star game gets home filled. And I think baseball did that for a while. Right? Yeah, and you I get, hated that. Yeah. Yeah, and so they they art- arbitrarily or artificially try to increase the stakes, and and really everyone knows it doesn't matter. You know, no, no one's no one's uh <laughs> the the people the, the guys in the baseball team played for home field. Ninety five percent of them are not going to be in the World Series, so like, why do they care? Right, right? and so, so just I think it's a fun thing, it's a spectacle, but it's not something that gets me excited. It's not appointment. TV. If anything, I'm more excited about the the ancillary events happening around the All Star Games, the Home Run Derby, the three point contest, the Skills Contest. No, 100. Uh, percent I love things. the dunk contest. I've loved the dunk contest forever. I remember watching Vince Carter when he did his famous uh, 360 dunk to end it. When he did the Honey Dip, when he put his elbow on the rim, that to me was super exciting. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years, and I'm watching guys do weaker dunks than they were doing all those years ago, and I'm like, oh, this is lame it's just not as exciting it was but that is a lot more exciting to me than watching the actual nba all-star game because like you said there are no stakes i don't care yeah uh so why do we have them <laughs> what do they do? i mean I, I think i think it's nice for players to have like a break in the middle of the season you know nice long season but uh i don't know would it just be better to not have them at all and i don't know i think i think maybe we've lost interest in them because i can get every game in the country on my phone. If I have a favorite player in Washington or California or New York or Florida, it doesn't matter where they play. I can watch them every time they play because of the technology that we have now. Uh, 30, 40 years ago, you didn't get that opportunity. If you wanted to see one of these amazing players play, you had to wait to watch them in the All-Star game. You know what I mean? Because you couldn't go down to the ballpark and see them. You couldn't see them on your local TV. And uh, I think that has taken a little bit of the shine away from the All-Star game um, for for every sport, I mean, basketball, we could see any game we want. Football, the same thing. I mean, we have the red zone for crying out loud, which is like football heroin right to your eye sockets. So it's like we don't need these exhibitions to see our favorite teams and favorite players. I mean, I live in I live in Dallas now, and I can watch the 49ers every week if I want to. I can watch the Utah Jazz. If I want to, I can watch the Cavaliers or the Heat or I, it doesn't matter. I can watch any team I want. And so I don't need to wait for the All-Star game to see these matchups. Also, there's like interleague play in baseball now, too, where the, uh, you know, AL team play NL teams a couple times a year. And so that, I think, takes away from the, the uniqueness and what made the All-Star game special back in the day. Can't wait to watch. 
Alright, so Anthony, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but I guess Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods are trying to put together some sort of exhibition where they'll play each other head-to-head. -head. And I'm like, that's great, but aren't you professional golfers who should be playing against each other in big tournaments anyway? <laughs> right? And... and Aren't you supposed to be out there winning tournaments because you're Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods? Like, why do you have to put on this exhibition? No, this is right. This is this is great. It's genius uh, because I, I, both of them are search are searching for a win, right? So I mean, they got a fifty percent chance now at winning a tournament, right? They have to thin <laughs> out the competition in order to get a W. That's right. Gosh, you know what this feels like to me? It feels like the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Like, there's no real stakes. They're not going for a belt. They're not going for one of those big fancy checks from Happy Gilmore. They're not going for that. They're just trying to make a bunch of money because they can't win tournaments to make their money now. Who's who's sponsoring this? Is it like uh, Metamucil? Is it uh, <laughs> AARP? Uh, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a $10 million pot, winner take all. I think they should uh, distribute that among the viewers for, for making us watch this. Yeah. <laughs> or donate it to AARP, like you were saying. That would be perfect. Donate it to the, uh, the elderly boys and girls club. <laughs> I'm sure there's a nursing home or two around the golf course where they can host it and they can maybe build a new wing. The, the, the Phil Nicholson Tiger Woods wing of the nursing home.